Hey, it's me, Sam. This is my podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no idea what episode it is, so sorry. Maybe 18? I don't know. Um, I'm here today. It's Friday. Really nice day. Super beautiful, hot weather here in Ohio. And um, I don't work on Fridays, so we did did some little errand stuff and then I actually got this is what I do I usually wait until summer's pretty well over to plant all my flowers (laughs) and then I'm like rushing to try to keep them from freezing once it turns fall but I guess we got a few more months so I'm here with a friend of mine that I've known since second grade Marilee and okay this is this is my earliest memory of Marilee. We're going there. We're going <laughs> straight. Be the same memory. We're going straight to <clears throat> elementary drama. Um, so Marilee and I, like I said, I, I moved into the school district in second grade. Um, we've, you know, I've moved around a lot, but you've pretty well stayed in this area, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so I've moved around a lot. I moved back into this area about um, seven years ago, and we've connected. And I mean, we've we've. Obviously, we went to school together, so when we see each other, we, you know, we commute talk and everything, but we've kind of connected in different ways. Our kids go to the same art program, our kids play baseball down at the same, so, like, if you live in this community, it's small enough that you're going to run into people, especially if you, you know, obviously you know them, you're going to see people that, you know, so we see each other quite quite a bit. Our kids are in the same school and different activities and things, so, um, so, anyway, taking it back. This, now you know I don't have any memory, so but I'm gonna it's I'm gonna, gonna say memory I bet I I mean oh, I'm interested to see so I in second grade here I come in and what I remember is that we're in the we're in the 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 the, the black top area of our primary school and she had a skip yep. it. <laughs> now if you know what a skip it is it's You're like old if you know what a skip it is. hook it around your ankle well Clara I got one just oh. got one for my daughter not too long ago but it was real generic you know the skip it, yeah. the real skip at the end of it was mm-hmm. like a weapon it and weighed it like 12 pounds <laughs> like if you could if you've really got to swing it hard and somebody ran into it it's like a guaranteed broken ankle but um what I remember is that she was running around with this thing on her ankle and I was chasing her for some reason, and I don't know, and I mean, it stepped on it, or tripped on it, or grabbed it, or something, and it ended up breaking. Now, here's the funniest part to me, that I don't really know if it was the teacher, or our parents, or how it shook down, but I remember, like, full-on recorded interrogation. Our moms got into it. Is that what it yes, was? Yes, I don't know how it started, but our mom, we have feisty moms, and our moms got into it over the skip it. And yes. I bet both of our moms would remember the story exactly. Oh, I'm sure they would. My mom tells me all the stuff all the time about stuff. She's like, I can't believe you even talked to that person. Don't you remember they blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I mean, they're cool now. I, I don't remember sure any they both remember. I think they were more upset than we were, but. All I remember is Miss McFadden, like, Sitting me down, like literally, it felt like I was in a police station. Sat me down at the end of her desk, facing her. She had this old timey recorder, and recorded. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was illegal. What? Recorded like a, like a, a, a statement <laughs> interrogation. Why stuff. did I bring the skip it to school anyway? If if it mattered that it got broken, I, I don't really know what happened. I don't feel like I was a vengeful child, but maybe I was like trying to really hurt you. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm. Talked about this before, joked about it, but it was such a. I mean, I feel like 
I had just come into the school district. I don't, I don't remember how much into the school year it was, but it was, it was, I don't, for me to not remember anything and remember that, I don't remember, I don't feel like a sense of like, it was traumatic. Right. It was just like, it's in my memory, sitting there in that desk, <laughs> and I remember like the little record. Anyway, so that's my, that's my earliest memory of Mary Lee. That was, they got better after that, I right? think. Yeah, oh yeah. But, um, so that was back, what, gosh. Second grade, and we've been out of high school. We graduated in 2000, so we're pushing our 20-year reunion, which is insane. Um, so that would have been 90. 90-something? 90 1990, probably. So it was 10 years. If it was second grade, we graduated 12th grade. You're better than me because I, I have no idea. But um, anyway, so, and then I think through school, I mean, we were friendly to get with each other. I had a, I was, I had a real, I was a real, um, just had an awkward school time I think in general I um I don't like when it's through elementary school I remember some moments like where I feel like I did you know I had friends I remember talking about this person being a best friend I remember um running around with kids in elementary and then when I got into middle school middle school's awful it was terrible and I was I didn't have I don't think I really had a group like I kind of had I was a weird, a weird moment and then I remember a moment where <laughs> and I'm sure I did Jessica, mm-hmm. I don't want to say her last name and put mm-hmm. her on blast, but this girl Jessica straight up told me to my face that I smelled. <gasps> and, <laughs> and I remember, like, if I when I look back, again, my mom has told me about mm-hmm. other instances of kids that bullied me or, like, you know, treated me a certain way, but... That's the only actual incident that I remember because I remember thinking like, I probably do. I, I bat, I've always battled like chronic fatigue and, and just not really being able to get enough sleep and always feel tired. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and like my mom wouldn't make me and I would maybe only shower every other day. And so I'm sure that I did smell. I never remember you smelling. I remember a couple (laughs) kids who did and you were not one of them. Thank Thank you so much. But anyway, so then into high school, I mean, I, I was, I had a moment where I was running around with a certain group of kids, and then, and, and Marilee is a Christian as well, and so I don't know how she kind of, I mean, we don't have to get into this, but I really had a time where I battled, or so I told myself that I was, you know, making a stand, and so I wasn't going to hang out with that group of people because they were drinking, mm-hmm. and they were doing, having sex, and doing these things. But in reality, I use that as an excuse to kind of chase after another group of friends that, in my mind, was going to, like, help me to be more popular or help me to be able to do more social things or whatever it was. So I had just a real, like, identity issue where I didn't really feel like I fed it, fed it fit in anywhere. And we might, Marilee's mentioned that, too, that she's kind of felt like, you know, out, like on the outskirts of groups and things. So anyway... But well, I want her to introduce herself, and then we're gonna we're gonna get into some topics. So go ahead. Um, my name's Marilee, and like Samantha said, I'm, I'm super nervous. I've known her since second grade. I don't remember the details of the skip it incident, but I'm sure when either of our mothers listen to this, we will get the details. Yes. Um, I need all of them, Jane. Jane, come on. I need all the details. She listened to a couple episodes, so I'm oh sure my gosh, she'll, she'll tell me. Um, so, what can I say? I, like Samantha said, have lived close to the same place my whole life, probably within 15 miles my whole life. Mm-hmm. I was born in one little town, moved to the town right next door, and then moved to one right next door to that. <laughs> and I live there now. 
Um, I am married. I've been married for 15 years, and I have four kids. I have a nine-year-old, and I have eight-year-old triplets. And I am a nurse and work part-time, and I think that's it. Don't forget your PTO, Mom. Oh, yeah. She's one of those. I, I liked um, Samantha's post saying she felt like she didn't fit. Don't put her in a box. Because if you put it on paper, I do seem a certain way. And I am responsible for the theme day. Bring a flower for your teacher that you complained oh about. Oh, my gosh. Don't ever the, do that again. The idea was oh. you don't have to spend money, but you can show your teacher you appreciate them. But then, but then all the kindergarten teachers were in kindergarten screening that week, so oh, yeah. it didn't matter anyway. Uh, here, it was a triple threat. It was a triple threat. It was number one. It was teacher appreciation theme day, which, as she mentioned, here's strike two. All the kindergarten teachers weren't even there. <laughs> strike three, it was also right to read Nobody week. told me that, so I made a thousand copies so of that. As much as I hate hat day... On top of that day, it was dressed like your favorite book character day. Are you freaking kidding me? I was so that was the most overwhelming week of my life, and it was my fault. It was all your fault. I hold you personally responsible. I was just trying to think of something where you wouldn't have to spend money, but you could tell your no. teacher you appreciated them. And then when I made those copies. One of the secretaries said, oh, this is also right to read week. And I kind of like slammed the copies on the counter. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm done. I'm done. Don't forget it. And then who was it so tried to like merge the two weeks together? Yeah. Like dress yeah. like your favorite book character who also maybe wears a hat that your teacher likes. <laughs> it was a mess. It was a total mess. So, but yeah, no. I somehow became PTO vice president. And I'm on the board of the local baseball, softball Whatever ball league, yeah. And honestly, I mean, we've been talking a little bit before we started recording. She was saying like it's chaotic and it whatever. I'm telling you what, you want to talk about chaotic? I my uh, oldest Charlie plays football, mm-hmm. and and it, this baseball league runs like a dream compared <laughs> to that mess. Um, no, it's been really really smooth. We had an ordeal tonight. I mean, I'm sure to have to go a whole season and only have one ordeal that ain't bad. We had an ordeal tonight where we were supposed to have a game. Of course, the one time I'm early, we get down there, get all set up, get our big shade umbrella put up, and no, just kidding, the game was last night, so that's kind of, that's just classic how I it goes. I kind of tried to give you a heads up on that, but I didn't want to assume that. I know, and I should I should have pushed it further. No, I should have checked back with you or maybe gotten with the other somebody. Anyway, it doesn't matter, it's <laughs> over with now. But, um, so... I, I was telling her, too, that uh, I think two episodes ago, I talked about how I had gone to um, a parenting after divorce class, and I was sitting there, and there was like 32 total people there, so, you know, 25, 30 families represented, and, you know, talking about how, like, what do we need to do, what's the, what's the solution to try to bring these statistics down so there's not so many children who are affected by divorce, and... <clears throat> As she said, she's been married for 15 years. And what did you say? Five years? We dated for five years, so we've been together 20 years. Okay. So she's got it on lock. 15 <laughs> years, four kids, and three of those are triplets, and they're still together. So tell, I mean, just maybe give a slide. I know what I said. Okay, here what I said in the, re- in the recording was, um, like, your top, not all your secrets. I don't think there's any secrets. But, like, what are the things that you make a priority in your relationship that you feel like 
have allowed for you to get to this. I mean, it's a huge milestone to even, I think, get past five or ten years. But you're, you know, 15 to 20. What, what, what do you think that, what do you think are the things that you've made a priority? Well, I think that we have learned to complement each other without changing each other. We are very different. I'm chatty, and I mean, I could talk until he falls asleep. And he would be content to not speak a word to anybody for eight hours. So we try to we try to give and take on that where he understands if I've been home with the kids and he comes home, I need him to tell me about his day. Even though he thinks this is a boring day, I don't want to talk about it. Like yeah. I need him to tell me about his day. And he will listen to me maybe tell him the same story five times. But then I understand when he needs his time of quiet of I don't know if that makes sense we kind of we understand how each other works and try to give with that without changing ourselves but just trying to make that part easier for each other yeah um I would say it's kind of jumping topics but the hardest part that we had in our marriage was um struggling with infertility and then having triplets and having four kids under two years old. That's jumping past the whole story. But that was very stressful. And honesty, brutal honesty, I think was what helped us get through um, that part when we both, and we still even, if one of us is at our limit with something else going on in our life, work or with the kids or something, we are okay telling each other like, I can't do bedtime. We try to do bedtime together every night um, when I'm not working. But we are okay telling each other, like, I'm at my limit. I can't do it. <clears throat> and not getting offended that the other person, like, needs a break and giving them their time. Yeah. Um, I think also uh, my husband runs, and that really helps as a stress reliever for him. So I think finding something that is an outlet for us. I don't know that I have a stress reliever except napping. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know. I like to sleep. Um, I have some, I have other questions, but I've heard other couples say that this can happen. Do you ever feel, cause I mean, he run when she say runs, like, oh my gosh, what was it that one weekend he did? He did the flying pig four way challenge. He did a mile Friday night, a 10 K and a five K Saturday and a full marathon Sunday. Yeah. He's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a full marathon after, oh my gosh. I think that I ended can't. up, my math isn't going to be right now. I think it was like 40 miles that weekend. Oh and then he was upset because he gosh. went 30 seconds over four hours. He wanted to be under four hours for the marathon. <laughs> Come on. And that was because he stopped to pee, so he wouldn't pee himself. Oh my gosh. Like people do when they run a marathon, apparently. Uh -uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so, so he, when he's running, I mean, it's not like he's going out for like, 15 minutes to do just a quick jog around the block. I mean, he's gone maybe sometimes for big chunks of time. You've got four kids that are still very active. I mean, do you ever feel resentful that he does have that outlet and that he does take that time for himself and that maybe, you know, he's away or he's doing that? Is that anything that you ever run into? Um, I did at first when I just saw it as a hobby. But when I think about it as him trying to make himself the best, it sounds corny, the best him he can be physically and emotionally for a family, yeah. it, you know, didn't bother me as much. The first couple of years that he trained, um, he would run long distances after work. And a lot of times it would be late dinner and missed dinner. But he kind of, with the last couple he's done, he's figured out a way 
to get the long runs in. Like he'll get up at like five o'clock on a Sunday morning and mm. meet a friend and they'll run 15 or 20 miles and he'll oh get gosh. that long run in before we start the day. And like during ball season, he tries not to schedule May and June are crazy for us. Um, but he tries not to schedule a marathon around then where he needs to be training them. But like if he needs to get running in, sometimes he will run from our house to the park. The kids are playing at like, the, the longest was one day last year, our oldest was playing in New Lebanon, and he ran from Germantown to New Lebanon. He left like an hour before we did, and he ran there. So he tries to he tries to make sure that it's ta- taken away from family time as less as yeah, as okay. less as he can. So, yeah, or he'll like sense. run around the ballpark, like he'll go before the game and run around the ballpark and then be there when the game starts. Yeah. So he, you know, he does well at that, but... He used to smoke. Um, and he was, in, you know, it's a stress reliever that helped him with that. And I think that um, he's probably more stable emotionally than I am because of that. Because of I mean, that outlet. Yeah. I can't ever see a point in my life where running is going to be a stress reliever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like I kind of want. I wish that it could be yeah. because I see people. There's this girl that lives up the road. She's in our in our community. You probably know her, but she runs like that. I mean, we see her down our road all the time. Yeah. And she's kind of like that. Like she'll be like, you know, I didn't. I, she's a hairdresser. She'll be like, I don't. I didn't have a, um, a not a patient, whatever client, <laughs> client for an hour and a half. So I just put a sign up that said I'll be back in an hour and went out and ran. And she's like in catering, just like picks up, goes oh and doesn't run for an hour and comes back. Oh yeah, I think I do know hairdresser. Yeah, probably. But um, anyways, yeah. So that makes sense. Like, so that's a big. I think a big thing is, you know, I think couples can. Obviously, if you have a hobby or you have something you're interested in, it's going to take time, which then it's going to take time away from your family. It's going to take time away from your spouse. But if you can, I think not only as an individual do you have to make it a priority to invest time, invest energy in whatever that thing is that gives you, like, gives you kind of purpose outside of your children, Mm -hmm. your family, and also helps you, like you said, to be better, to be a better person, to be stronger emotionally, whatever it is. But it, 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 I think it's what you're saying is true that it's critical for your partner, your spouse, whatever it is, to also value that hobby mm-hmm. or that interest or whatever. Because, you know, just as you would feel resentful, I'm sure there were times where he felt guilty. Right. You know, but there, but when you get on that same page of, I know that this is good for me, and I believe that my spouse believes that it's good for me, so there's no tension. Right. So, that's good. That's really good. Because I think, you know, maybe there's people that are resistant to pursue, I don't know what people do. This is all I do. I don't think I have a hobby. I don't. don't But I get time, I get time alone when the kids are in school only working two days, Mm -hmm. and he's never alone. Like, never alone. Like, goes to work, comes home, we're there. That's crazy. Like, he's never alone. So, I think that it's good that he has yeah, his time alone. Yeah, yeah, we, so he has that. I mean, we still, I don't know, I don't have a marriage secret, but honesty, and we, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, being okay with saying, like, this really bugs me. I'm not sure how you'll take this, but this, but this really bugs me. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. I don't have a good marriage secret. <laughs> But that, I mean, that's, I, oh, I've said this before, any marriage counselor I think that you would go to, they would put in their top three as, as the, as the keys to marriage. One of them is going to be communication. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not always easy. It's not always easy to hear that there's something about yourself that you need to work on. No. No, especially coming from somebody who you've had a relationship with for 15 years, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden there's something that they have a problem with or that Mm -hmm. they don't like. But I think that's one of the things that's, you know, so difficult with marriage. I mean, you can, as an adult, you can have friends that you see, you know, sporadically, but when you're doing 100% lie, Mm -hmm. like... There's nothing you can hide. You can't hide anything. You can, but... Well, yeah, you probably should. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely can hide things, but... It's a vulnerable spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you... um, So, tell... Talk about some about, like, you were talking about through the years of infertility and of, um, like, having triplets and then... How old was your oldest at the time? 19 months. Oh my gosh, I just can't, I cannot imagine. Like right now, my one-year-old, so she'll be two at the end of August, so around the same age. I can't imagine then on top of that having three babies. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, like how did y'all, how did y'all manage, like I know you Um, had some help and stuff, but I mean, when you talk, we're talking about marriage and just talking about infertility and things, kind of lump that together, but how did y'all manage that time? Um, well we, to, to kind of go back, we... I had always, I like had this, what I thought was this perfect plan for my life. Like I thought like yeah. I was going to get married right after I finished nursing school and I was going to have all of my kids by the time I was 25. That was my plan. I was going to have my two, two point whatever kids by the time I was 25. And when I was 25, I didn't have any and didn't know if I was going to be able to. Yeah. We had started trying in a year, nothing. Um, and so we went to the regular OBGYN and had some testing done. Um, and found out that we were probably going to need some help and we're still resistant to that because I kind of, I struggled in my mind with what God's design was for a family. And I know there's lots of ways to make a family, mm-hmm. but it was, it was hard for me in my mind to grasp that our family might not be created the way that I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so after another year of my younger sister had a baby, his younger sister had a baby, a uh, very close friend of mine had a baby. After, like, everybody around me kept having babies, I thought, like, I really feel like God's plan for us is to have children. And if this is what, you know, if this is what we have to pursue, um, then that's what we'll do. So we went to um, a fertility doctor and did um, intrauterine insemination and got pregnant with Josie. And she was a year old. And... I remember my husband saying he wanted wanted another, and I said, no, it's not going to work the first, our odds were very low, and I said, it's not going to work the first time like it did with her. That was just luck. There's no way it's going to work the first time, and I can't go through wanting a child, you know, for years again. I just can't, and he said, let's just try it one time. Let's just try it one time, and then I won't ask anymore. Yeah. So everything was exactly the same, the same treatment, everything was exactly the same, um, and then the day I took the pregnancy test I was working day shift then and my patients got their breakfast tray and I felt nauseous by the time lunch came I was full-on sick yeah and I remember calling him and saying I think we're having twins he said why do you think that I said I'm really sick like I feel different I'm really sick so I kept getting labs drawn and my numbers were going higher and higher and higher um in our first ultrasound there was a student there that day and the the Fertility doctor said, is it all right if she does your ultrasound? And I'm like, I don't care. You know, I'm all about you know, learning. And so she started the ultrasound, and she said, oh, there's two. 
And I said, no, you thought our, you know, they thought our first was two and it was just the yolk sac or whatever that is, whatever feeds the baby. Yeah. And she said, no, there's two heartbeats. And we're like, okay, twins. Like that sounds normal. Yeah. And then she said, wait, there's another. And I literally pulled the sheet up over my head and started crying and said, quit counting. Just please quit counting. Oh my goodness. And then they turned the screen towards us and you could see three little flickering heartbeats. And in my head, I thought I weighed 95 pounds. I thought there is no, really, I weighed 95 pounds. Oh no! I thought there is no way I can carry three babies at once. Like there is no way. And the doctor said, I don't advocate this, but I have to offer, it's my responsibility to offer you selective reduction. Yeah. And we looked at those, at those heartbeats and without looking at each other, we both like, no. And in my head, I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to carry three babies, but whatever is supposed to happen, like God's going to handle it. Like I didn't think I could have any. So yeah. we're going to take these three and be grateful for however many survive. And long story short, it was a long pregnancy, but they all made it. Yeah. So the pregnancy was, we thought the hard part was the pregnancy, being nervous about everybody surviving. But then when I had them, the young or the smallest was only two pounds. They were two pounds, three, four and three twelve. Um, and just visiting them in the, visiting them in the hospital was an ordeal trying to figure out because our older one couldn't come visit. So we had to depend on, I had an aunt that helped my parents that helped just juggling, going back and forth. And they came home one at a time. Okay. So we kind of eased into, we went from one to two to three to four. So we kind of eased into, um, that whole, that whole part of it. But then once they got home, <laughs> I thought, what did I do? I remember vividly <laughs> thinking, I know everything is part of God's plan. You know, there's a reason for all this. <laughs> One day when I had changed 12 nasty diapers before noon, I remember thinking, God, you you found the wrong person. <laughs> like, oh my this was someone else's plan, not mine. Yeah. That's crazy. It was so cool for me, and I keep, I'm, I'm like a broken record, and I don't care, I don't even care, I'm saying it again, is that, and, and just a totally unpredicted byproduct of doing this podcast is that, you know, I remember, I remember vividly, I'm sure, here's another vivid memory <laughs> of the few that I have, no, but I remember vividly sitting at my desk at Children's Services and reading, I was trying to think while you were talking, was, I don't know if it was a blog or yeah, like that. Yeah, I that for a little bit. But you kept it pretty updated. Um, and I remember just thinking, like, this, I can't imagine the emotion and the feeling and the anxiety and the, just the stress around, because you had some, there were some issues, I think, that are, if I remember, what, with, with some of them as the pregnancy carried on. And, yeah, and there's the always, yeah. I mean, if you've watched any TV or tried anybody that's had multiples, I mean, there's always this, like, getting to a certain a number of mm -hmm. weeks and trying to get them to grow as much as possible before they're born. And um, so I just remember reading that. But it's just so cool for me now to sit down and talk to you and actually, like, hear these details and hear, you know, and I just, I, I appreciate your honesty because I think I, I'm, I was just actually telling a friend of mine last night who has twins that I can't, I can't put my head around being able to do it because yeah. I have one who's six months old and 
I stay tired. Yeah. And he pretty well sleeps. And he slept pretty well from about three months on. You know, he had to be woke up, you know, to, to feed, to eat. there Because he was, you know, kind of preemie too. And so there was times like that. But, I mean, he pretty well sleeps. But I'm just thinking... You know, there's times that he doesn't, and what if there was one or two other babies who also mm-hmm. weren't? And then, I mean, you're just not sleeping, well, I imagine. When people say that, like, oh, how do you do it? I couldn't do it. I think I would say sometimes, well, I have to do it because the Lord and the law tell me I have to. Like, they're mine now. <laughs> yeah. It's not like I decided, like, I think I'm going to adopt four kids under two years old because this will be fun. <laughs> Super like, fun. we begged God for babies. Like, I kind of breezed over the... You know, that was a, a trying time was, you know, figuring out, like, we felt like uh, God's plan for us was that we were going to be parents. And then when I wasn't sure that that was going to happen, and then on the flip side, you get more kids than you planned on. Yeah. I thought in my head, like, I can't be aggravated that I have twice as many kids as I wanted because I wanted kids and God gave them to me. But the first, honestly, the first few months when they came home, it was just survival. Yeah. I loved them, but I could have been watching your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I just, like, knew every three hours they got their diaper change. Every three hours they ate. Like, it was just getting to the next nap, really. Yeah. And I remember, went vividly, another vivid memory, when they were six months old, they were laying on a little mat plane, and I was sitting by them. And I remember looking at them and thinking, I think I'm falling in love with them. Like I felt like till then I was taking care of them and I cared for them and I loved them. But it was like a, a moment where like, okay, I think that we can do this. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting. And I wonder if there's, I'm sure not that I have any research or studies, anything, but I wonder if there is any research that shows that that's a common, um, mentality of parents of preemies because I didn't birth mine but what you said and I've never heard it said that way is exactly what I've said and I I even said it on the stand when I testified for my um, one-year-olds when she had her um, termination of parental rights hearing I said you know they said like how what's your bonding level or something to your kids and I said, said the exact same thing like you know for the first two months it was just keep her alive mm-hmm. and get her big. And keep, keep myself awake. Yeah, keep enough coffee. Exactly. <laughs> keep myself awake. Keep myself sane. Keep her alive and, and help her to grow. Mm-hmm. And do everything and anything that I can to keep keep her strong, help her to grow. And then I also, with her, it happened pretty quickly because I was pretty confident from the beginning. With my son, with the baby, um... It took a little bit longer because I was even more overwhelmed with him because of having to, and I and I almost there was there's some different circumstances and so I didn't jump into that feeling, but I had that moment too mm-hmm. of like, okay, we're past this, you know, they're he's they're thriving, they're growing, they're healthy, and then having those moments of I really am starting to, and it, it, that's interesting that you know you obviously birth your children. I am, well, I even do that. I even felt like that with my first. Yeah, I. Did not have that. Like when I looked at her, I thought, what in the world do I do now? Yeah. I did not. I loved her, but I did not at all have like the sunshine, sunshine, roses. This <laughs> yeah. is what I've waited my whole life for. I thought, yeah. this is terrifying. Why did I want to be responsible for another human being? This is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And it only was a couple weeks with her before 
I felt like it clicked. But I think yeah. that a lot of a lot of people don't talk about that, whether it's a child you birthed or not, that it's okay that it, it might be a slow bonding process. And I try to tell, like, pregnant friends and stuff, I try to, like, openly talk about that because, you know, I have friends who bonded right away and have no issues, and then I have friends who have had actual postpartum depression yeah. and had lots of trouble bonding with their babies. And I think that sometimes we, I guess I say we as in society, we assume that every mother and father, as soon as they look at their child, they're like, oh, this is everything I've ever wanted. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty scary. Well, yeah, and I think, too, what you don't realize until you have a baby is that there's a loss. There's a loss of freedom. Mm -hmm. There's a loss of a lifestyle that you've had maybe for years. Even if it's what you wanted. Yeah, exactly. You may Just because it's, it, you know, like, it's what I, it's maybe is exactly what you wanted. It's exactly the place that you want to be. But there is still a feeling of just, I say loss, and I think that is, that's a good word. But I think, too, just change. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just different. You can't. I'm sure there was one time back in the winter when it, uh, did I see you up there? I saw a lot of people out there, but we went up to the Boomershine. Yeah, yeah. Did I, I see did, that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, we went up there and went sledding. We were all on broken we, sleds, I think. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the older two kids, and um, we were driving, my mom was here with the babies, and we were driving back, and we stopped at the gas station in town, and I was like, hey, look at us. Let's just hop out of the car uh -huh. and go into the gas station. And we stayed in there for like 20 minutes. <laughs> this little Farmerville gas station. But um, because it, it's, it's, you don't think about it. Like when we have the babies, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. I don't even get them out of the car when mm -hmm. we go into gas stations. I just, Charlie's in there with them and he sits there with them. And, you know, it's just different. We can't hop out and go to movies. We can't pick mm -hmm. up and go to movies. We can't pick up and go to Kings Island tomorrow mm -hmm. if we wanted to. Like. There's just a change in things that you're able to do. You know, if it was just me and my older two, we'd be ripping and roaring everywhere. Mm -hmm. But, we, you know, we I think, you know, that's something, whether you foster, you adopt, you have you have your own children, is that knowing um, it's okay, I think, is what, we're, right. what, we're, what I want to say, is that it's okay to feel a little bit like there's there's changes, there's a loss or whatever it is. And then um, but being honest with yourself about it. Mm -hmm. uh, something that people don't want to talk about is just feeling that postpartum depression, whether you have the partum or you're not. Right, right. <laughs> Those feelings are there regardless of what it is. And just talking, you know, talking about it and not being ashamed about it and not... Um, not feeling guilty because right. you maybe you resent your baby because right. you can't pick up and go out with your friends. I remember in our, I guess it was our uh, birthing classes before our first, which I don't think I ever used in actually anything in the birthing class. You just take every class because you think that it's <laughs> yeah. going to make everything easier. Yeah. But I remember one thing I do remember was they were talking about shaken baby syndrome and, excuse me, and child abuse and the one lady said, People assume that people who hurt their children are always parents who have had these tendencies to be horrible parents. Mm -hmm. And she said, sometimes it's a parent who wants to get everything right and can't make their child happy and doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And so from that class, we, my husband and I talked to each other about if we ever felt like we were at our limit. At that time, we thought it was just going to be one, but if we were ever <laughs> at our limit, that we would be honest with the other and say, like, I have to step away. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't be right here. And I remember we were in, uh, the triplets shared a room when they were in their cribs and my parents had my, our older one 
and we were trying to put the triplets to bed and we didn't rock them to sleep because she couldn't with three but mm-hmm. we were going from crib to crib trying to get them to settle down and stop crying and it was like I don't know how long we were in there it seemed like a long time and I looked at my husband I said I'm done and he looked at me I said I'm done I'm leaving <laughs> And I thought he knew I meant I'm leaving, like, the room. He <laughs> no. said, you're leaving me? Said, no, no, no. I have to get out of this room. Yeah. And he said, well, I can't do it either. So they were all safe in their cribs. But we went and sat on the porch. We closed yeah. the door. We sat on the porch. And we heard him cry for probably 20 minutes. Yeah. But there was nothing that we could do. And we were we were very honest with each other when a couple of them cried a lot. When we just didn't think that, you know, could... You can feel yourself holding them different when you're so frustrated, yeah. and we were very honest about that. And I think that takes a lot of vulnerability and trust to know that someone's not going to think you're crazy if you say, yeah. like, I can't safely hold this baby anymore because they're exactly. making me question my sanity. Well, and that's exactly what you have. What that's You have to say it honest like that. Mm-hmm. Please help me. Please take this baby out of my arms because I feel like I'm getting to the point where it's not safe for mm-hmm. me or this baby to be in the mm-hmm. same room. <laughs> and to have that, and I guess, I don't know who all listens to this thing. I, I don't know who that's all, but I guess I just want to. Just me. Yeah, just merrily, basically. No, but um, I just want to say this and I want to say it clear. Please, if you have a baby, if you're pregnant, if you're thinking about having a baby, please be honest about how you feel. Please post all the pictures on Facebook that make it look like you're doing it 100. Like all the bows, all the monthly updates and, and stickers and all the outings and you're taking a walk and you got your new stroller pack all put together. Do that. But also when you're like haven't showered in four days and you're falling apart and you're exhausted, please ask for help. Talk to someone who is you can be honest with whether it's like your your spouse your your partner or um, your mom or whoever your family whoever it is a friend and ask take help take a break take you know somebody comes somebody offers to bring a meal or offers to come in and let you That's take a hard. nap yeah, yeah I mean take that help and ask for help because it's it's all of those things at the end of the day are only going to benefit your children mm-hmm. and, and keep them alive, basically. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Which is always key when we have kids. Um, so, yeah, triplets, I don't know, man. I'd be like, look. Now they're eight and it's cake. <laughs> like, yeah. you can go to the pool and I can sit and look at a book and look up and know where they are and, yeah. Man, though, <laughs> it's just, you know what you said, though? It's like people have said it to me, it's the same exact thing. I don't know how you do it. You've got your hands full. Why, you know, oh, you've got a car full. And it's like, I don't know. If you would have told me that I could do it, mm-hmm. if you'd have told me, well, you're going to have four kids and they're going to be one in, in six months and you're going to have your older two, I'd be like, I can't do that. I remember telling my mother in law when we were struggling with fertility, I was crying. And I think that it was, you know, my sister had had one. And I think that my sister in law was, I just found out she was pregnant. And I'm like, I just don't understand. I said, I just want to know. I just want to know what the future will be like if our if I'll ever have kids and she said honey if you knew the future you'd be scared to death and I didn't understand it and now I realize yes yeah yes I will I yeah. would have been scared I thought of this earlier and I and I don't want to um I don't want to I don't mean this in any way to like question anybody's plan or anybody's decisions but I'm just interested because this isn't something that I obviously I mean, I looked at both of my husbands and got pregnant. Like, it was no, there was no issue. But um, 
when it comes to infertility and things like this, I in just in in the in the world of Christians and of God's plan and things like that. Did you ever get any kickback from anybody to say like, well, if God you you're not having children on your own, that must be God's plan. Why are you taking it to? Um, the- I didn't. I didn't so much get that. We struggled with ourselves. We talked about what treatments we felt were going to be okay and in line with what we thought, you know, God's design was and what we were not going to do. Um, we, I don't, I mean, I guess I'll be honest. I don't know if it offends somebody, but we had, we did insemination and we had talked about that. we had also talked about adoption. Um, we were not going to do in vitro. I couldn't wrap, I couldn't just couldn't wrap my head around it and how I felt how I felt about it. Okay, I'm sorry to get technical here. I thought what you were saying was in vitro. Oh, so no, I guess I different... could have. Yes. Okay, so, so explain what, that. So uh, what we did was called IUI, intrauterine insemination. If it's too much information, just don't listen for a few minutes, oh, I yeah. guess. We're good. We're um, cool. So <laughs> I took Clomid that made me produce extra eggs. Okay. Um, and then they took, or then they, they did an ultrasound to make sure I didn't have too many eggs. Um, and then... I took a shot that timed ovulation. Okay. And then they timed our procedure with that. So we, my husband gave a specimen, and I don't know exactly what they did to it, but okay. they like spun it out and found, you know, the got the good parts out of it. Yeah. I don't know. They say they didn't add anything, but they, <laughs> they got did. the good parts out of it. They jazzed it up. So, <laughs> right. So we went in that morning. He gave the specimen. They said, go have breakfast, come back. So we left for a couple hours, came back. And the procedure was as simple as like, a yearly OBGYN visit. Okay. Like, they just have it in a little syringe that wasn't like a needle, but it was just like plastic end. Yeah. Um, and they, like, inserted it. Yeah. Um, just like they would do a regular, like, pelvic exam. Yeah. And I laid there with a little timer for three minutes. Okay. And that was it. Okay. So that was intrauterine insemination. So it was just making sure that the good parts made it where they were supposed to go instead okay. of getting obstructed by any part of my anatomy. But... In vitro would be where they would stimulate me to produce a certain amount of eggs. They would harvest those eggs, okay, take his yeah. sample, and then in the lab put them together. I think people are more familiar with put that. that in. Right. I didn't. I didn't realize there was a step before that. Either. Right. So they had told us they would try what we did three times, and if that didn't work, they would recommend in vitro. But we had decided we weren't going to do in vitro. So you did have a you did have a limit when right. it came to like pursuing it. And right. do you think that if it would not have worked those three times, that you would have stuck to that? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say because you had it in your mind, pretty, pretty, pretty. pretty right. Solid. I mean, I mean, we had. And, and no, nothing against anyone who felt like, feels like that was, was God's plan for how they would have children. But I just, I don't know. I still, I don't think that it, it still now bothers me that we had to do fertility treatments, but it must in some instance, because when I tell, when people ask how many kids do I have or how old are my kids? Sometimes to be honest, I'll say like nine and eight and I won't say anything else. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, like, are they boys or girls? And so eventually I'll tell, but probably 75% of the time, somebody will say, oh, do triplets run in your family? And I'll say, like, there were twin, you know, there's multiple sets of twins. Um, and they'll ask and they'll ask. And then finally I'll say, we had fertility issues or we struggled with fertility. Oh, okay. Like, like they act like my children aren't as 
special because yeah. of that. And I, maybe that's just part of me still resenting that, that we had to go down that road. I don't know, but it bothers me. And it's, I mean, they're eight years old and it still bothers me and I don't yeah. know why it does. Well, what bothers me is that people want to be in your business. Yeah, that's like, true. That's true. People. My Shut husband, up. Look, he, I've got four kids. Leave me alone. Why do you ask so many questions? Taking them out in public when they were really little, people would say ridiculous stuff like that. Oh, you've got your hands full. If you asked my kids now, if you said, oh man, you got your, your mom's got her hands full, they'd say better than empty. Yeah. Because I, I would say that better than empty. Yeah. But we had a couple people say, oh my gosh, if I were you, I'd kill myself. Loud enough people. that the kids what could hear it. with people? Yeah. I remember you posting stuff like this on, on something, social media or blog or something, and just being a, I mean, not, I should, I say amazed, but I'm really not. Because yeah. people are so ignorant, and the, they just say things, they don't, it's like they, I feel like there's like, there should be like a, when people are growing up, they should get like a special tag that says, look, write everything down before it comes out of right. your mouth. Pass it to somebody who has some sense and they'll tell you if you should say it <laughs> or not. The best one was we were at the mall and somebody said, oh, wow, are those triplets? And they were in infant seats hooked into a stroller. Like they were all the same age. And my husband, <laughs> he said, no, he said, uh, he said, no, they're not. He said, they're all mine, but they're not all hers. And they were. What? He's like, they, they have three different moms, and they just stared at him, and then we just kept on walking. Like, oh, yes. Awesome. I love awesome. it. I love it. I had um, my oldest son. So here's the breakdown. My three youngest, or well, this is a whole mess. My my middle two are blonde, blue, blonde hair, blue eyed. Obviously, the my one-year-old is a foster. She's not biologically my child, but she, my middle two look like me, you know, more than than the other ones. My youngest is red hair, blue eyed. And then my <laughs> oldest is black hair, brown eyes, super, you know, olive skin tone. And, uh, I, I was in a dollar general or big lots or something. And, um, the woman said, Oh, he, he must just be a daddy's boy. Look just like his dad. <laughs> well, at that point, I mean, I was divorced and, and he, and I said, no, he's not a daddy's boy. <laughs> nope. And she said, Oh, so he's adopted. Like, it was just an automatic <laughs> jump that if he wasn't a daddy's boy because he didn't look like me, he must just be, he must be adopted. And I was like, nope, he came straight out of me. He's all mine. And she was like, oh, well, he just doesn't look like you. And I was like, thanks, lady. Carry on. But yeah, people are dumb. People mm -hmm. say some really ignorant things. And I think what you have, like you did, like exactly like you did. And I've done this too. You just have to, it, the, what I get enjoyment out of is saying things back that make people feel really uncomfortable <laughs> and then make them realize how stupid right, they sound. Right, Because you need, if, if I can do that and help you to never make that comment to somebody right. else again, then I call that a win. Where I get, where I feel like in a tricky situation is when a patient at work asks me if I have kids when they're just trying to make conversation yeah. and you're supposed to like try to connect with your patient, I don't want to lie to them because then I feel like I'm denying half of my kids, but I don't really want to get into it with everybody. Yeah, yeah. But my mom used to get upset when I would get upset with people that said silly things. And she's like, they don't mean it. They're just, you know, it's just something they've never seen before. And I, I really don't believe that people who said those things meant like, I'm going to see how bad I can hurt her feelings and make her, you know, yeah. question her crazy existence anymore. But it's still, I mean, you can't help on it. I just don't think. Right. That's, I, I, you're right. Because I'll, when I see patients, all my patients are, you know, geriatric, old, and 
you know, they'll be like, oh, do you have any children? Oh, my God. I could just make up a story. That's I what I just start to buy. <laughs> nope, sure don't. Don't have a single one. No, I mean, I'll, and then, so then, I, then when I say, like, yeah, I've got two biological, I've got two foster, and then it's like, I'm, I'm Mary, St. Mary. Uh-huh. Like, I'm just a saint. Oh, honey, you're just doing the Lord's work, and oh, let me pray for you. Oh, oh, my. And so then it's like. Let's just get through yeah. this. And, and I hate, you're right. Like, it's always this fine line of, like, I don't want to deny their story. Right, These right. are my children. This is this is who they are. But it's also like, come on. We just got to get through this evaluation right. here. And now we're talking about. And you want to connect with your patients, but yeah. you're still, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so, to help your score. Yeah, right. Can you please fill out a, a customer <laughs> a service card on your way yeah, out? And you be very sure good service by telling you about all this. Super high scores. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to wrap up just with one last topic here. I feel like we've, we, I really have enjoyed this conversation and, and just learning some things about, hopefully you've learned um, some tips about marriage primarily and just about, um, you know, fertility and, and just being a new mom and having babies and all those things that, you know, I, I feel like eventually i got to have a man on this thing because we're really hitting the mom topics hard. <laughs> but I'm sorry for any guys. I, I'm trying to think. I know my one friend, he t- I saw him down at the pool, and he was like, I keep thinking you're at my house. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I've come in like four different times, and I'm like, is Samantha here? Why do I hear her voice? Because I guess his wife plays it. Like, plays he's going, who's that talking? Like, oh, yeah. It's Charlie's mom. Leave the room. I don't know. <laughs> he's thinking his, his don't wife plays it, business. plays it on, uh, on speaker, but... Yeah, eventually I'm going to have some guys on here. So hold on, dudes. We're gonna we're gonna hit some hit some guy issues eventually. But I mean, it's just the way it goes. It's been a lot of women stuff so far. But um, when Marilee first contacted me, she kind of listed off a couple things she thought would maybe be interested to talk about some topics and things. And then the, and the one thing she said that really kind of caught my eye, and I, I told her before we started recording, I said this caught my attention. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it right now, but I do want to hear, like, a, maybe expound on this thought once we start recording. What she said was that, she, as a well, I shouldn't even put words in her mouth because I don't know <laughs> if it's now or always or when. But she said she's always felt kind of on the outside of any circle um, of people that she's a part of. So, I mean, what? I guess I was going to say as an adult, you felt that way, but I don't, like I said, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, what, um, like expound, I mean, tell me what, what do you mean by that? I, I have struggled. I'm not sure when it started with self-confidence and thinking, well, you can't possibly, I can't, you can't possibly really think that I'm your friend. Hmm. Like you can't possibly really want me to be your friend. I'm, you're just being nice Mm -hmm. or I don't know, even with people that, I know are my very best friends. I have just always struggled with that. Um, I didn't date a lot, but even when I was dating my now husband, I remember thinking like, he can't really possibly like me as much Mm. as he says he is. And even a few years into our marriage, and I don't know if I heard it at a, a conference I went to or something that thinking that you are not good enough or that you're not pretty enough or nice enough or smart enough, is an insult to your spouse who chose you, yeah. your children who love you, and to God who made you what he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And that was a big, I think that was a big eye-opener to me because, I, I mean, I still struggle with, I've recently changed jobs. I worked at the same, on the same unit at the same hospital for 17 years, and my unit closed. Wow. So I went to 
a sister hospital or the parent hospital, I guess. Um, and I very much feel like there is a closed circle with maybe an itty bitty window, yeah. <laughs> an itty bitty opening. Oh my gosh. And I, st- I, oh, adult click. Yes. And I, Terrible. and most people have been very kind to me, but I think, and I'm finding myself again going, oh, they don't really want me here. Mm. They don't, and downplaying how much experience I have because I want them to like me. So I don't want to go in like I've been a nurse 15 years and I, so I think that I often try to downplay what input I have or even what intelligence I have because I, I don't know, I've always had this desire to fit in. I remember in, in school saying I want to be popular and my mom would say, popular schmopular, (laughs) popular schmopular. What do you want to be popular for? But I even, I mean, I had a, a, a good group of friends in high school. And when you were talking about your friend groups, I was trying to think, I can't remember if in high school, you were in band, right? Yeah. Were in marching band? Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember if we hung out with the same group in high school or not. Like, I don't, I mean, I guess it's been almost 20 years. But yeah, I it really... was, <clears throat> see, I started working, um, I started working at Chick-fil-A the summer that I turned oh, 15. Yeah. And then I was a manager and almost worked full-time hours wow. through my through the last two years of school. Wow. So there was there were some dynamics of I was only in band through junior year. Mm-hmm. And so then that was kind of when I had that 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 moment of like, I'm not gonna be friends with these people anymore because they drink. Uh-huh. In reality, I ended up kind of switching friend groups or trying to be friends with other people and drank and there was drinking and, and, and uh-huh. engaged in those things. More than I probably ever would have. Yeah. And so I convinced myself that that was the reason I couldn't be friends with those people anymore. But in reality, I just, I had the same, like, insecurities. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, you know, I I, I want to be in the pot. I want to be popular. I want to be running around. And so I wasn't in band my senior mm-hmm. year. Because in my mind, like, well, I'm not going to be in band because the, I'm not going to run around with those people anymore. So yeah. why do I need to be in band? Plus, I just, I kind of hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but also... I didn't really socialize. Yeah. I mean, I went to school. My shifts usually started at 3.30. And I worked 3.30 to close. Wow. I mean, two or three nights a week. And then I would be, I was like the opening manager on the weekends wow. on Saturdays. So I pretty well worked full-time, I mean, almost full-time hours, like I said, through. And then even in the summers, um, I worked, I think I worked one summer at Chick-fil-A. And then I ended up getting on with like a medical billing office. Mm-hmm. So I was like real deal, clocking in and out, wow. eight to five. Um, and on top of that, um, when I was, I think when I was a sophomore, we started going to the church where my parents go now. And I, um, if anything, I connected with a group of girls there that were my, you know, and, and those were my, those were some of my best friends, yeah. you know, my closest friends through that period of time because I, and I did a lot with the youth group. If I did socialize through those years, I would say 75% of it were with the people I was in the youth group, yeah. you know, through the summers, especially going to camp and different trips and stuff that we did. So yeah, the answer to that, that's more than you wanted to know. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not. I just, I felt, I was thinking about it and then I felt bad that I couldn't remember. Like I remembered you more in elementary school and middle school and then I couldn't remember I kinda in high it. school. I just kind of jumped around a lot. Yeah. I didn't really ever yeah. really settle in anywhere. But I think it was. It was different than it is now because there were lots of different, and I don't remember getting mad at one of the friends in my group, I guess, for lack of a better word, if they were 
hanging out with a different group for a while. Mm -hmm. But my kids now, if the, if one friend talks to somebody else for too long oh. and doesn't pay attention to them, it's a big deal. But I, there were like my few really close friends that I felt like, you know, I always, they were always going to be there, but I, I don't know. I just so much, I so much wanted to fit in. And even now I feel like because I, I have four kids, which I thought was a lot, but now it's kind of average, I guess. Um, but I, I don't work full time, but I do work some and I don't homeschool. And it's not because I like couldn't, it's because I don't want to. So I feel like even at church, there's like, I don't know. I don't feel like I fit in with the people who work all the, the moms who work all the time, the moms who don't work, yeah. the moms who homeschool. I feel like, I don't know. I'm kind of mushed in the middle. Yeah. And I kind of struggle with that. I just almost wish that we could get like a panel of 10 women because I honestly think everybody, every woman, yeah. woman feels this way. I honestly think Probably. that even the women who walk around with their heads held high and are confident and are just seem like they've got it going on and all together, I honestly think at the end of the day that every woman, I mean, there's been times, which is, it, this is ridiculous, but there's been times where I've said, nobody cares about me, mm -hmm. you know, I feel so alone, or I don't have any friends, and then, like, an hour later, I'm looking through my text messages like, well, I got a few friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's not, but I think the other thing is, when you get to be adults, People have lives, right. and people, and so it's hard. It's a hard to feel like I'm alone, and I don't have any friends, or I, I don't fit in, or I'm on the outside. And oh, uh, and of course now we know what everybody's doing yeah. all the time because of social media. So if you see something on Facebook and you weren't invited, yeah. now you're questioning that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Where it could have just been something simple, like <laughs> they ran into each other, right? Or, or friends you introduced are doing more stuff together. Oh, than yeah. you're, yeah. they're like, hey, don't forget about me. But I mean, it could just be something innocent. You know, they ran right. in, they ran in each other at the right. ball field and they decided to run and get right. pizza after. You know, but then in your mind, you're like, well, why do they invite me or what? Yeah. But I think the end of the story is, look. We all, we talked about this in other episodes, women, unfortunately, we all struggle with insecurities. We struggle with feeling like we're not enough or that we're not right or we're not good enough. And just know, like, let's just support each other. And I think as Christians, especially, like, you, I love what you said, we have to know who we are. We have mm -hmm. to know who we were created to be. We have to know who God says we are. And when we start having those moments of, feeling insecure, you know, the good thing is that we obviously we have the Bible, we know what God says, and going to that and just fighting those thoughts and just kind of taking them head on and saying, like... He doesn't make junk. No. Like you said, like, your husband's been married to you for 15 years. <laughs> like, he didn't, he's not just hanging in there because <laughs> he doesn't have anywhere else to be. I mean, he obviously wants to be married, like he's saying you... 20 years. <laughs> Big gosh. Yeah. 20 years. 20 years. I mean, so. I'm only 25, so I don't really know how that happened. Right. <laughs> so weird. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. So that's what, that was really, because I, I mean, honestly, when I see, when I think about Mary Lex, she said it wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't, she's not what it seems like on paper, but I don't think she gives her enough, herself enough credit. I mean, I, when I think about her and I see her, you know, out, I mean, her kids are, not that it matters if they were hellions, but I mean, they're well behaved, they're good kids, she's, you know, has a home and a job, and she's doing all the things, she's not running the streets, you know, <laughs> shooting drugs, she's doing it, she's a responsible, contributing citizen of the world, confident, you know, confident, kind, giving, you know, available, so I think, you as as moms and as women, we have to 
not only as Christians do we, you know, we go to the Bible, we know what God says about us, but let's work on, you know, when we have friends who maybe are struggling or, or just encouraging our friends and, and being and saying, you know, hey, your kids are all dressed well. Yeah. Dressed, you know? <laughs> it looks like all your kids are wearing shoes today, so you did a really good job. <laughs> Something along those lines, one of my, I know we're wrapping it up, but my oldest once, she was probably three or four years old. <clears throat> I saw her looking in the mirror and like touching like a baby fat area yeah. in her stomach. And, and I, I mean, I've always been a skinny, mini bony person. So that did not come from me, but she was, she's like pushing. I mean, like looking at herself like this didn't, she's pushing on her stomach. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, I am really getting fat. Um, and I like lost it. I'm like, why in the world would you say that? Yeah. Well, look at this. Look, I don't, I don't know that I look pretty. I said, you, and I'm not sure where it came from. I said, you are a beautiful creation. And yeah. like, it sounded like corny as it came out, but it, I, it's just what it came out. I said, you are a beautiful creation. You're just what God made you to be. Yeah. So now they, if it, if somebody in their life starts saying something negative about their self, they'll say, what are you? And the person will go, I'm a beautiful creation. And I, but I don't often, I won't say that about myself. Like I said, I told my husband the other day, I'm like, I feel like I've been stressed out. Like I'm getting more wrinkles on my head. I need to color my gray hair. And he's like, stop it. Stop saying that stuff. And it's hard to say to yourself, like, I'm a beautiful creation. And what I'm supposed to be, I'm not perfect, but I'm what I'm supposed to be. Exactly. And that you bring value to people's lives. I mean, that's what it comes down to is that not only are you just, you know, just some blah that God created. I mean, you bring value to people's lives. You impact other people's lives, and you're you're an important part of your community and of your friend friend group. And we've got to we've got to tell ourselves that. And we've got to tell each other that. And we've got to value you know value your friends. Listen, hug a friend. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> hug a friend. Tell them they look good. If they're wearing makeup, I mean, give them a high five. And their something. shoes match. If they've got their hair brushed. I know. I told her when she was on her way over here. I said, just a fair warning. My house looks like a tornado went through it. She said, just a fair warning, I look like I hit a tornado. And I'm, in my mind, when she said that, I was like, I look totally homeless. So, And look, I don't even care. I've got I was a swimming pool in the ballpark. And, uh. Yeah, like, whatever. I'm just living my best life. I don't care if I go out in sweatpants. I used to tell my kids that if they wore sweatpants out of the house, it meant they gave up on life. Yeah. And now, I think that was on a Seinfeld episode or something. But now I'm like... Look, I'm calling them yoga pants, and we're just going with it. But anyway, all right, well, let's wrap this up. Anything else? Any, like, super pressing matters? Well, Marilee, I'm so glad. Like I said, we pass each other. I mean, it feels like probably once a week we pass each other at different things in our community and activities with our kids and stuff. But I'm so thankful to be able to sit down and talk with you. It's been really good. I've learned a lot. Hopefully you all have caught some information that you can um, take away from this this interview here and um, we will, I will, I always do that. <laughs> I'll be back the next time. I've got a couple, you know, ongoing interviews going on. Um, if you take a look at my social media and you can send me information about anybody that you think would be a good fit. If you're a dude and you want to come on and be the first guy, that position is available. I'm sure. How'd your husband feel? Uh, I don't know. He said, you're not going to talk about me, are you? Like, I will not reveal any pressing sure. matters. He want you to talk about him. He's probably not going to be up for coming on. But I mean, he might be able to say how he's put up with me for 20 years. Yeah. That'd be so interesting to get his perspective. <laughs> no, but anyway, I'll be back, and uh, we'll talk to you all the next time. All right, bye.